everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! So, how are you today Mick? I'm fine, I'm just looking forward to um, finding your thoughts on a felonious female feline. But Mick, we've already done a Catwoman episode. That's true, but I didn't really get the chance to crowbar that bit of illustration in. You didn't, and I guess we need to differentiate this one somehow. (laughs) Because, yes, we are going to be beholding Catwoman Hunted this week, which is completely different to the 2004 Catwoman film. In that it's based on Catwoman. Yes, that is. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a 2022 animated film written by Greg Wiseman, directed by Shinsuke Tarasawa, and based on the DC Comics character created by Bill Finger, insert snarky aside about Bob Kane here. <laughs> I probably should say, as much as I like to make fun of Bob Kane for trying to take all the credit for creating Batman, but also a lot of that is probably due to DC at that time would just credit the writers rather than the artists. Yeah. And that was the way with comics back then, wasn't it? Yeah, very much. And, you know, in later years, Bob Kane did do kind of a, a bit of trying to get Bill Finger's recognition as well. Yeah. Okay, I'm okay. still probably going to make fun of him in future episodes, though. That's fine. If if that's what you feel you need to do, you do that. I mean, everyone needs a hobby, don't they? Oh, we, we've got plenty of mileage out of the Bill Finger gags, so, you know. Yes, yes, because we are once again talking about Bill Finger's cat. <laughs> it's an arrestable offence in Gotham, you know. I don't know why we bother with like anything related to my We're very easily amused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Catwoman. I mean, I should. I was going to say I should maybe do a bit of background on Catwoman since we didn't in the previous episode. Well, that's but because I, the previous episode wasn't about Catwoman. Again, <laughs> very good point. But also. I mean, it's Catwoman in it. Yeah. I feel like she's she's one of the more well-known comics characters. Kind of Batman's enemy slash girlfriend slash both at the same time. Yes. I would say the one thing I do find interesting... Well, I mean, I was going to say the one thing I find interesting about Catwoman. Not like I'd, I'm not a fan of her, but yeah, I like Catwoman. Yeah. But... Something something I find interesting, just from a being nerdy about comics perspective, is that kind of what a lot of people think of as Catwoman, like that black bodysuit with the kind of the big goggles and the, the pointy cat ears. Mm-hmm. That was only designed by Darwin Cook in kind of 2002-ish. Yeah, but it has become something of a sort of exactly. classic it's, Catwoman. Yeah, it's, it's the look people think of when they think Catwoman. It's not the look I think of. 
I think yeah, it's but... worth a kit. Lee Mer- Merriweather and Julie Newmar. That's for, for the comics, I mean, though. <laughs> but yeah, it's just interesting because yeah. for a lot of characters, they'll kind of get a look right at the start and then there'll be loads of attempts to redesign them over the years and they'll yeah. always just end up reverting back. Yeah. I think... I mean, part of it might be because, like, even from the perspective of comic books being not that realistic, Catwoman's original outfit is just ridiculously impractical. Because <laughs> it's it's the one that we see a bit in this film, where it's just like a purple dress with high heels and a cape. Yes. And that must make running across rooftops very difficult. You'd think. You would think. Yes. It's also weirdly, do you know that there was a period from like 1954 to 1966 where Catwoman just wasn't in the comics? Really? Yeah, apparently it was because of the, the comics code. Like they couldn't have that kind of character. Which I'm not sure what specifically. I, I assume from what I know of the code, it's because she's a criminal, but it doesn't portray her as like she's a bad guy who always gets a comeuppance like she's more morally grey. Right. I think because they kind of had to be. No, no, if they do crimes, they get arrested and they go to prison at the end of the story. So you're basically saying that if um, the Comics Code Authority had been around, um, our dirty, gritty look at superheroes these days would never have happened. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Because that's, I mean, that's the big reason why comics were so simplistic for decades and decades. Well, that and Bob Kane was writing them. That and Bob Kane was writing them. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. I mean, it's it's the old joke that Stan Lee revolutionised comics by making his characters (laughs) two-dimensional. Anyway, Catwoman Hunted. Should should we get on with a plot synopsis? Give us a synopsis. Okay, so Selena Kyle is a cat burglar who commits her crimes in a feline themed outfit. Oh wait, wait, wait. Selena Kyle. Not Patience Phillips. Exactly. Okay, alright. Because I was gonna say, unlike the last episode, this is relevant because she's the main character of the movie. And is voiced by Elizabeth Gillies. Selina infiltrates a party where mobster Black Mask, voiced by Jonathan Banks, is trying to buy his way to the buy his way into the Leviathan Crime Syndicate, run by Barbara Minerva, played by Kirby Howell Baptiste, with the Cat's Eye Emerald. Selina steals the Cat's Eye and escapes a team of goons led by Tobias Whale, voiced by Keith David, because if if there's a black character in a DC animated film, they're going to be voiced by one of three people. <laughs> and I guess Bill Lamar and Carrie Payton were both busy that day. <laughs> so Selena escapes, but is apprehended by Batwoman, voiced by Stephanie Beatrice. Uh, Batwoman takes Selena to Julia Pennyworth, voiced by Lauren Cohen, and King Faraday, voiced by Jonathan Frakes, leading Riker himself. 
<laughs> who are part of an Interpol team looking to take down the viruses. They're almost ready to make their move, but need Selena to act as a diversion so that the heads of Leviathan won't escape. Then Catwoman and Batwoman fights. <gasps> Nosferatu, Cheshire, Mr. Yakuza, Dr. Zinzin, Boss Moxie, Ladama, Black Mask, the League of Assassins, Solomon Grundy, and Cheetah. Then Selina reveals this was her plan all along and escapes with the cat's eye emerald. The end. Yep. It's it's not a complicated film, is it? It's not a complicated film. It's really nice to look at, though. It is. Yeah, this is um, basically DC sort of doing what Marvel did a few years ago, like going up for a very anime-inspired thing. Yeah. I mean, well, that's anime. I mean, it, it is an anime, isn't it? The the art style is very much anime-inspired. Certainly from the character designs, I would say that the, the sort of layouts and the backdrops are very, very much more traditional Western-style animation. It's an interesting mix of the two. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I think what, what I like about this animation as well is I think it who's like a good point of contrast to what I was talking about with the Hitmonkey, mm. where I was saying that some of that looks a little bit stiff. Yeah. And I think you can really see that compared to this, where it's just really fluid. Like all the bits yeah. of Selena's just like running around doing backflips and swinging yeah. up stuff. And it's just really good to look at. Yeah. It was... Um, it was interesting that um, there, there appeared to be less sort of animation assistance on the movement in this than in the other Catwoman film that we recently reviewed. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, basically in the, the Halle Berry Catwoman film, Catwoman is almost as much an animated character as she is in this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I... I really enjoyed the first 20 minutes of this film. Like the bit where Catwoman infiltrates the party and she, you know, kind of dances about, does a bit of flirting, puts on a costume, steals the emerald and does a big escape scene. Mm -hmm. That's just a nice, fun little heist film. Yeah. It's just then there's another like hour of the film. <laughs> and all it is is what if there's some fights? I mean, I'll be on it. I, I quite like most of it, but then I was caught in the grip of um, COVID fever. And I had the option of watching DC animated movies or looking at a blank screen. Um, There are a lot of fights, and for, for a while it did seem to be there's just so much going on. You also need to have. I mean, I'll be honest. There were there were moments where people turned up. In a way that seemed to be designed to cause the audience to go squee, and I hadn't a clue who they were. I mean, right. I know Barbara Minerva as Cheetah. Uh, I know Black Mask. I'm aware of the organisation Leviathan. I'm aware of Batwoman. 
I'm aware of Tobias Whale, mainly from from Black Lightning. Black Lightning. Um, I'm aware of Julia Pennyworth from the Batwoman series. Funnily enough, never heard of King Faraday, although I su I suspect he may be fairly irrelevant anyway, because he appears to just be a human cop. Yeah, he's just uh, a spy, pretty much. Like, he'll yeah. appear in a lot of things. Like, Checkmate, he was a member of that. No, right. But yeah, he's just, he is a spy, and his name is a is a pun on the term king for a day. And then we've got Cheshire. Never heard of Cheshire. Yeah, I Cheshire. mean, I've heard of Cheshire the place, and the cheese. To be fair, Cheshire is actually probably one of the more well-known characters in this. She's basically one of like, the top assassins in the DC universe, like with like, Deathstroke and Deadshot. It's just, I don't think she's ever been in any live-action stuff. Right. Nosferata, who appears to be just a female version of Nosferatu. Yeah, Nosferata is where the character picks in this get a bit weird. Because she has appeared in, like, six issues of Superboy in the 90s, and that's it. Right. Uh, Dr. Sin Sin? I mean, if you're going to be a villain, you might as well be a villain twice. Yeah, D Dr. Sin Sin is one of those, like, generic mad scientist villains. He's, he's Chinese and was around in a about the, the 50s and 60s, I think. Right. So as you can maybe imagine, the comics in which he features in are not great. <laughs> and and I, are just I, a teensy-weensy-eensy bit racist. And I'm guessing that the same could also be said of the um, mysteriously named Mr. Yakuza. Oh, Mr. Yakuza's even weirder. Because he's not even really a character in the comics. All right. Like, Mr. Yakuza is a name that they have made up to give that character. But the guy, um, God, I think his name's like Nobu something, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But yeah, that guy only appears in Katana's backstory. Right. As like the guy who kills her husband. Okay. Ladama? Uh, Ladama is a Blue Beetle villain. She's Pretty much the same as she is in this. She can, like, summon demons and do black magic and stuff. And Moxie Mannheim. Yeah, Moxie Mannheim is really confusing. Because he is the dad of a different villain called Bruno Mannheim. Right. Intergang. Okay. And the idea is they're basically the Mafia, but if the Mafia was funded by Darkseid. Right. Okay. And hence explaining why he has, like, power armor. Which, right. which the film doesn't feel the need to explain. No. I mean, why would you? Um, so, yeah, I know about the League of Assassins, and I know about Talia al Ghul. Uh, I yeah, know about Solomon Grundy. League of Assassins I'm very disappointed by, because th this film goes with the outdated stereotype that they use ninja assassins. When, huh? quite frankly, in the year 2022, we've, we've moved beyond that. And they now use ninja man-bat assassins. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I'm I'm aware of Solomon Grundy. In fact, I pretty much know his life story. Story something about being born on a Monday. Yeah, that's that's the good thing about Solomon Grundy is his entire stick is explaining what his stick is to you. Yeah, <laughs> he's a, he's a good uh, he's a good villain for the beginner. Um, right, I think we've covered everything there. Huh? Character wise, I think I'm up to speed on which characters were which. Oh, oh. Apart from Eric Lopez, who plays Domino One. Of course, Domino One, the most famous DC character. <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's just one of Black Mask's goons, isn't it? Yeah. Which, that, that was the weird thing about Leviathan. Is they seem very mismatched. Yeah. Because you've got Black Mask, who has a bunch of dudes wearing kind of domino masks. Moxie Manheim with like his intergalactic power armor. Mm. Ladama, who can summon demons from hell. Dr. Zinn, who like makes monsters from tubes. And then back to Mr. Yakuza, who's got some people with katanas. Yeah. It's. <laughs> Because Some comics, of these right? people seem more useful than others. It, all, it also makes you wonder, at what point did they think, we need to team up? Because they're the kind of people who've got the kind of resources that you think, I can take on the world. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'm not sure what exactly intergang need from random gangster who wears a skull mask. No, it doesn't make any sense because comics. It does. And on the other side, that I do appreciate that each one, like, is quite a unique character rather than just. And here's a bunch of people in suits. Because, <laughs> because it is comics. Like, have some fun with it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest I find that quite a lot of the DC animated stuff is quite lightweight in terms of plot yeah I, I didn't find that with the stuff we're not doing like a direct adaptation of something yeah um, the other thing is, I, I, I really like the title sequences on this I I liked it, but I have a bit of a bone to pick with the title sequence. Oh. Which is that I was just watching it going, oh yeah, this is this is very nicely animated. And not really being aware of the fact that, oh no, this is revealing like what the important plot points of the <laughs> film are. And you need to be paying attention to what's going on. Because God help us, the film isn't going to explain about Selena being like captured in Japan and forced to go into like human trafficking, but then she rescues the girls. Even though that, like, the whole reason for the story. Yeah. And that just that just doesn't work at all. No. So. uh it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit light on plot. It's. But it it does, I think, serve 
to underline that shades of grey element of Catwoman's character. It reminded me, in fact, a little bit like the um, the Black Widow sort of side story, where she's trying to even up the balance book. So for all the bad things she's done as a Black Widow, she's helping orphans and stopping trafficking and paying for ballet lessons for people and stuff like that. Um, and I think this is a bit like that, isn't it? It's, yes, I'm still going to rob the Tower of London, but I'm going to bust a trafficking ring. Yeah. Actually, do you know what my problem with Cat with this film is? What? It's the... It's a really good Catwoman film. It's just that that really good Catwoman film happens entirely off screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Because, like, that's what I want to watch. I want to see her doing heists yeah. and, like, stealing loads of money, but then using that to help a bunch of, like, human trafficking victims. And that's it. That, that, that's what you want to do. It's like you don't want to watch The Batman moping around the bat cave, do you? You want to see him out fighting and solving yeah. crime and... Well, yeah, especially like that. Like, I want to see Catwoman do heists in the same way that I want to see Batman, like, actually solve crimes. Yes. Because if he's just a guy fighting people, that could be any hero. Yes. Indeed, ah, that could be Batwoman. Indeed. Who, I, I felt Batwoman was weird for me because Stephanie Beatrice has a very distinctive voice, right? And especially because the, the voice she does in this isn't her natural speaking voice, right? But it is exactly the same voice she uses for Rosa in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Ah right, I've never I've never watched Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh okay, then this probably wasn't a problem for you then. But for me it's just I can't get into that character because she sounds so much like Rosa from, from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Right. See I didn't have a I didn't even have that problem with Jonathan Frakes. I just knew I knew the voice from somewhere. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's because it's specifically, it's her putting the voice on. Oh, right. So it's like she's yeah. making an active effort to make these characters sound the same. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's not a great deal to really say about it. Although the in, in as much as they could be, the characters of the other villains were captured reasonably well, considering how many of them that were. It's not like you were going to get a full origin story for Talia, is it? Yeah, no. But this is definitely one for people who know already who these characters yeah. are. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was a little, like I say, I was a little bit lost with characters like Mr. Yakuza, Nosferatu, Morax, and, and characters like that. But, I mean, a lot of them were there for just, like, you know, just to be beaten up, really. Yeah, you know, and, and again, you a know, lot of them, they, they don't really have characters in the comics, they're just you know that there. Six, you know the 60s Batman TV series? These are the villains that are in that bit where there's just a line of villains and they're moving right to left, and then you start getting them knocked back left to right, flying through <laughs> the air. <laughs> they've been beaten by Batman. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what they're here for. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I feel like if you just cut it down to like, it's Catwoman, it's Leviathan run by Cheetah, and Cheshire is like the assassin sent to kill her. Yeah. And she's doing some heisty stuff. I'd enjoy this film a lot more. Yeah. Maybe if they compacted it down to an hour runtime. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it doesn't even need to be a shorter runtime. It just needs to be a plot that's not just go here, fight this person, now fight this person, now fight this person. <laughs> I'm also not entirely sure why Catwoman was even there. Um. Like, it, it seems such a flimsy explanation of we need you to distract these people rather than we need you to steal a thing because you're the world's greatest thief. Well, yeah. Well, wasn't she just she just heard that there was a green emerald in transit. The cat's eye emerald. I mean, it's a cat theme. It's a jewel that's cat themed. Of course, Catwoman's going to want to steal it. Well, did she though? Because then at the end of the film, they made it out like Catwoman stole the emerald because she knew she'd get caught. But then yeah. they'd take down Leviathan, and that was. All her plan all along, which is, I, I feel like, one of the classic mistakes of trying to make a character smart. Yeah. Which is just like trying to cut out the middleman and just going, yeah, yeah, they're smart because they know things that they just couldn't possibly know. Yeah. That's like, no, that, that's not a smart character. That's a character who's psychic. <laughs> like, well, at least that, with Sherlock that... Holmes. That probably comes from being reincarnated because she cut from a long line of cat women. Oh no, wrong oh, cat of women, course, maybe. Because the Egyptian Mao cat brought her back to life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's the main point in its favour, isn't it? Is that comparatively this is a much better catwoman film. <laughs> well, Chiefly because it is a Catwoman film. Yeah, that certainly helps, doesn't it? Yeah. So, suppose we ought to rate it. Indeed we should. Now, luckily we've got a very easy starting point on this list. 
because yes. it's certainly better than the Halle Berry Catwoman. Yes. And I mean, it's better than the likes of Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Number 26, we've got Edge of Tomorrow. I feel like that's about the same kind of place I'd put this film for me. Although, uh, although we do have... See, this is where the list gets confusing because it's two of us with different opinions sometimes. I'll, I'll run through a, a little chunk of the list for you. Okie dokie. So, so, since we're talking about Catwoman, number 21, Batman Returns. Oh, so okay. Definitely below that. Then we've got 22, Venom 2. Number 23, Wonder Woman 84. It's above Venom 2. Oh, okay. That that makes it easier then. Yeah. (laughs) Venom 2 was garbage. Why is Venom 2 even that high? Because it's fun garbage. (laughs) And also it isn't four hours long. Unlike some films lower on the list. <laughs> so yeah, there we go. Catwoman Hunted, that's our new number 22. Excellent. That didn't take very long at all. When it, it comes to really fisticuffs or anything. We've, we've become ruthlessly efficient at this ranking things, Lark. We, we have. I mean, the filmmakers help. That's true. In some in some cases. Right. Indeed, bit of bit of a short one this week, but yeah, I think that's the way it shakes out sometimes. Absolutely. I mean, it, it it's not like you can talk about the nuanced facial performances because it's an anime. Struck cartoon. It's what it is. Yeah. Actually, that that might be where the animation lets it down a little bit, I think, because the faces are quite, like, not particularly expressive. They're all very similar as well. Very similar looking. But it won't put me off looking at some of the other 2022... um, animated uh, attempts that are coming up because we've got Teen Titans Go and DC oh yeah I might give that one a miss Green Lantern Beware My Power Battle of the Super Sons Milestone and Merry Little Batman which is a television movie which I suspect, given its order in the list of 2022 ones, might be a festive bat tale. Oh, wow, so we're getting that, and we're getting Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Yeah. God, we're, we're going to be set for Christmas things for a little while. Well, I, I'm, I'm gutted because I missed out on the uh, Bebo's Christmas. I'll get more Legends of Tomorrow watched at some point. 
<laughs> Actually, to be fair, speaking well, it's a DC episode, so it's not entirely unrelated. But I did see the little clip of Donald facing his booster gold. And yes. That's got me like quite wanting to catch up on Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, he makes his appearance in the final episode of the latest series. Yeah, and he's just he's perfect casting for that character. <laughs> also, what I've seen online is people saying that now what they have to do is cast Zach Braff as Blue Beetle. That well. They have to. They have to because it's following up. Because Carla, the nurse, who was engaged to Turk in Scrubs, played the Joker's technical assistant in Batwoman. Well, great. Yeah, just get all the Do, all so, the Scrubs cast. So um, what? What happened? They should get the guy who played the janitor to be Solomon Grundy. <laughs> what? A, Dr. Cox playing, I don't know, Riddler? Yeah, I, I could see John C. McGinley as the Riddler. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Chalk, she could be, well, any female member of the Bat family or the <laughs> criminal fraternity. Yeah, I feel like there's roughly 5,000 characters that she could probably play quite easily. Yeah. Uh, No, I can't think of any others. That was scrubs. But regularly. I mean, that's like the core cast, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's um. It was it was one of those things where I was watching the episode where Kiki, as she's named, turned up. Oh god, I know her. I know her from somewhere. Where do I know her from? Oh. Actually, we are forgetting one other Scrubs alum who's been in the DC TV universe. Oh, yeah. Brendan Fraser. Was he in Scrubs? Yeah, he was, because it's not really a sad episode where he dies. Oh, right. I mean, it's a long time since I've watched Scrubs. Yeah, that's right. I just remember because it's Brendan Fraser. And he's <laughs> Robot Man. He is indeed Robot Man. Anyway, that's the episode. You can all go home now. Yes! Sorry, listeners. <laughs> it, it, it's fine. It's it's the inconsistency is part of the charm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that quite a lot of this will be edited out by my colleague before it goes to air. And if it isn't, that will make me sound really stupid and trusted. Look, all I'm saying is, we've got to hit a certain amount of time for the episode length. (laughs) That's the internet now. It's not about whether it's good or not. It's about how much content. (laughs) What do you mean that's the internet now? That was the internet's motto. When it yeah. started. That's true, but even back then, I don't think they could have predicted people making like four hour long video reviews just to say that they don't like Black Widow. That's true. Christ. 
how long is the review where they say they don't like Zack Snyder's Justice League? I mean, God, if it's like... That must be a box set. So, if it's like... Well, I was going to say... I mean, I, I guess that must be about eight hours long. Just to find oh. out what somebody else thought of a, a movie. I know. And that's only going off if it's as long as Zack Snyder's Justice League actually is. If it's going off how long Zack Snyder's Justice League feels like it is. <laughs> I, I don't think there'll be time to listen to it before the heat death of the universe. <laughs> oh, there can't be many podcasts that mention the heat death of the universe. At least not as much as we do. In relation to comics. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, speaking of a blissful end to all things, that's the end of the episode. Now. That's it. Put me and the listeners out of our misery. <laughs> so with that being said, if you would like to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. They're not all like this one. Honest. <laughs> it says here. If you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Which now sounds more like a threat than, than I intended it to. <laughs> and if you do, if you do miss an episode, we'll I don't know do something horrible to your ears. I mean, is that what this episode is? I mean, we, we regularly do something horrible to your ears, but we'll do something even more horrible to your ears. Actually, yeah, that's true. When, when we're saying we'll do something horrible, you know you should be scared. <laughs> if you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. Uh, and if you're a fan for some reason... <laughs> We'd appreciate it if you left us a review just on your podcast. I choice. think it'd be really easy for you to get accused of overselling this, you know. You're right. I'm, I'm really the Stanley of this podcast, aren't I? <laughs> just a perpetual hype man. <laughs> I think we should start doing this podcast as like a chain letter. But if, if you get Five friends to listen to the podcast you don't have to anymore. <laughs> that your, that's your reward, is it? It is. Remember, it's not a pyramid scheme, it's an upside down triangle. <laughs> okay, that that's it. We're at the end of the show now. Oh, do you promise? <laughs> I do. I'll even do a sign off. So until no, next time. Not a sign off. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Nick. So long and thanks for listening, you weird sadists. <laughs> Masochists. I don't know, they could be both. They could be.